0: It was always a pristine rating, five stars, five stars, five stars. And then Rami comes along. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score Nord Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. One, two, three, four. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With hey. Rami. That one is a lift. There's a little more crowd noise when you when you listen back, but when you guys are watching it, did you have the volume up when you were watching it, Judd? Uh yes. I had on to the do TV.
1: You couldn't hear anything.
0: I did a double take because Marlins guy walks off the Twins, and we're going to talk about all this. But and it was like, wait, did the Twins hit a home run? there's like no reaction from the crowd on TV because there was six people in the stadium and three of them were Twins. fans. I was going to say the majority <laughs> of them
1: were all Twins fans. That's exactly right. That was certainly an unnecessary defeat today, wasn't it?
0: It it felt. It felt unnecessary. It felt not necessary. Uh, <laughs> Mackie and Judd with Rami, without Rami today, and uh, we'll do a cram session later on, but the chain of events that led to this walk-off win for the Marlins over the Twins and the blown 4-1 lead in the ninth inning, the chain of events started a long time ago. Can I take you through this chain of events? I want to hear I've been, this. I've been... You teased this to me off the air. Yeah. The listeners didn't know, but I knew. I was teased. Yeah. Well, so Sam Dyson comes in, and this was his his big Minnesota Twins debut. And like one of his biggest calling cards is he has impeccable control. He only has seven walks on the whole season. He walked two guys and couldn't throw a strike, gave up a couple hits, and was just a disaster today. Off the plane, basically. And they kept showing him in the dugout when Taylor Rogers came in. And then even through extra innings, like they kept showing poor Sam Dyson just, he's meeting all of his new friends and teammates for the first time and just gets destroyed by the Marlins. Talk about a bad first impression. (laughs) You got a bad
2: first impression. Hope your second impression is a lot better than the first, buddy.
0: But have you guys seen making a murderer net, the Netflix series? You've heard of it though. Yes. I almost feel like we need a Netflix title for the chain of events that led to this loss for the twins today. Okay. Like, like molding a Marlins walk off or something.
2: That's the new uh, Score North podcast. Molding a Marlins (laughs) walk-off? Yes. (laughs) Shockingly, it's not doing very well, last I heard.
0: (laughs) Because, stick with me here, this chain of events started with passing on Craig Kimbrell. All right. Okay? Okay. You pass on Craig Kimbrell, Mm -hmm. and then it leads to, like, a six-week parade of crappy, mediocre relievers that were all basically DFA'd a week ago, right? Or within the last couple of weeks. All right? All right. So you show up in Miami, and I feel like... uh, I feel like Jim Carrey in uh, Fireman. So you you want to be a you want to be a firefighter, kids? So let's say you take a fork and you trip and fall into an electrical socket. So you show up in Miami. Yep. You're short-staffed, but you're up seven to nothing last night, right? Yeah. Like your your guy hasn't arrived yet. You're up you're up seven to nothing last night. What could go wrong? It's the Marlins. No one's in the stadium. Barrios, he's only at 81 pitches but you're comfortable it's the Marlins it's seven to nothing so you bring in Sean Poppin to land the plane last night if anybody was even watching at this point with the twins up seven nothing against the Marlins let's bring in Sean Poppin to land the plane okay let you forget that it's Sean Poppin trying to land the plane oh I didn't forget as I was watching <laughs> oh I knew because I saw the name on the back of his jersey Poppin did you know where he went to college you know where you guys know where Sean Poppin I've... went to college? I have no No idea. idea. He's a Harvard man. Wow. Well, I'm sure
1: he's going to get a great
0: job soon. Yeah. Doesn't take a genius to figure out you shouldn't groove a pitch to the only Marlin who has double-digit home runs, which is Brian. Well, they have a couple other guys who have like 11. Do not confuse
1: sports with athletic ability, okay? (laughs)
0: Ryan Fitzpatrick. I'm telling you you that. I'm (laughs) telling you that. Do not confuse smarts with
1: athletic ability.
0: So his Harvard education uh, led to him piping a pitch to Brian Anderson, Mm -hmm. who hits a grand slam, and now now it's seven to four again because you got comfortable. Barrios, eighty one pitches. Let's bring in Sean Poppin. Just get a little uh, get his arm loose. It's the Marlins. It's seven to nothing. Right. So now you got to bring in Taylor Rogers. It's seven to four, and you're panicking, and there's nobody out. Oh oh my God, we can't lose this game. We were up seven to nothing against the Bleed Marlins. Let's just go right to Taylor Rogers. Let's just right away. I know this is kind of a panic move, but Taylor Rogers is going to bail us out here. All right. So he comes in, he cleans up the mess. But now Taylor Rogers has pitched two days in a row coming into today's game, right? Yes. So you'd rather not use him if you didn't have to. So you get into this late situation, you already use Sergio Romo, because yep. Pineda's not a guy who's going to give you like eight or nine innings, right? He's going to give you five or six. That's his MO. So instead of Taylor Rogers, you summon Sam Dyson straight off the plane. And I heard, by the way, there was a lot of turbulence on that flight. Well, there certainly was in the ballpark after he got there. Yeah. Walking everybody. And they ran out of pretzels on the plane, too. Well, Tough that's, to pitch. there's your reason. Yep. So he I comes in. Pretzels. When's he's, the last time
1: a commercial flight was comfortable enough to expect anything?
0: <laughs> he's jet lagged. He's cramped. Who knows what? Probably hasn't slept all night. Can't throw a strike. It's a disaster. And then hasn't you have to. His pretzels. Hasn't had his pretzels. Those cookies. The, the the sugar will put you to sleep. And so they have to pull Sam Dyson out and bring in for the third straight day Taylor Rogers. Yeah. And uh, Taylor Rogers probably isn't going to blow hitters away pitching for three straight days. And that's how you go to extra innings in twelve. That is the that is the ma- the molding well, of a Marlins walk off. But that's the same thing. Don't that, pass on Craig Kimbrell. But that, that's the same
1: exact thing that happened in the Yankees series as well. Th- there was the game the Taylor had to come in where he fully didn't expect to, and they didn't expect to have to. Their hand keeps getting forced. It keeps happening. Sean it's just repeated again and again and again. And uh, I don't know if if they should have used Dyson. I certainly didn't expect him to be that bad today. It's certainly. Um, dovetails into good uh, sports talk. Uh, not necessarily good if you're a Twins fan or the Twins, but yeah, it's it's frustrating to watch. That is, but that's one of those defeats, and I get it. Okay, it's baseball, 162 games, right? And there are some games where okay, it's just a long year, and you can't break down, you know, game by game by game. But this is a bad loss. Like it was completely unnecessary. It's the Marlins. You're up 4-1 to one in the night. I know. You're going to leave. You're going to get on your plane, your chartered plane, which has as many pretzels as anyone could ever want, and fly <laughs> back here and be as comfortable as possible and open a three-game series um, tomorrow night against Kansas City, another what should be pretty easy series, and you blow that? It's not a good loss. It's uh, Sorry.
0: It, it's not the, uh, the, the Indians play tonight against the Astros. They got Garrett Cole that they're going against. That's pretty much going to be how it is every night against the Astros. They've got blank, insert blank future Hall of Fame pitcher yeah. starting in rotation. But there is, there's also something. I don't know if like karma is the right word because we, we're going to get into if the twins really did miss an opportunity. We've got, we've, we've both slept on this. Uh, Rami will be back next week. We've slept on this and we can give our thoughts now sort of 24 hours after the trade deadline. But it's amazing how people have been pounding on the desk. You need pitching help, pitching help, pitching help. And, you do bring in a really good reliever, and he's facing one of the worst teams and the worst offense in baseball. And his first outing for you is a complete, it's probably his worst outing. I know he's given up, he's given up a few runs you know a couple who, times, but.
1: He, he looked like the Sam Dyson who completely imploded in Texas two years back. You think that guy's still in there? I don't know, but that guy, I remember. A years in, I remember that guy. God. I remember because I want to say he came into a game against the Twins. There might have even been talk around that time that Texas was trying to move him. I remember that guy. Because that guy had pretty good statistics before then, and completely melted down.
0: Yeah, so I don't, so, I don't know. So now that you've had twenty-four hours to think on this, and yes. we, we did our four-hour twin show deadline special yesterday. I've written about it. I've talked about it. I've
1: been ripped in the comment section. You don't know what you're talking about. It's not they missed opportunity. I'm sorry. I still come back with, and I know, I know the Yankees didn't make a trade. All right, I get that. Totally get that. I know Boston did not make a trade. Totally get that. And I'm not, I don't think I, I don't know if I ripped them or not, but I still have the same feeling, which is you had an opportunity. Can I give you the one thing though? Because I keep reading this and Phil, I think it's the most frustrating thing I've seen continually. And the one, the one area where I am not willing to just accept it and say, well, that's too bad. You tried your hardest. You tried really hard. You tried to get better. The one area that really bothers me is, is, and we talked about this a little bit on the show yesterday as well. It's the Marcus Stroman angle, okay? It's the, we went to the Blue Jays. We called Toronto. Hello, Toronto? Yes, what do you want from us? Marcus Stroman. Okay, for what? Well, supposedly the Blue Jays said Kirloff and Lewis, all right? But then the story, okay. It's, was that reported? So I believe that we we have now. I think what's being reported Are, now is the Blue Jays first ask was was both prospects. I believe that that's how it goes now.
0: Okay, and it's possible that we're also being led to believe that like well, I mean there was, but nobody wanted anyone other than Kier But this is my, but
1: that's my point. Yeah, this is going to be my point. What's frustrating then is it's almost as if you go from the big ask, which by the way, if I'm Toronto, I asked for I asked for the same thing. Why not? Why wouldn't you? You go from the big ask to the report now being, and then they trade into the Mets and we didn't have a chance. That's hogwash. I don't buy that. I'm not going to buy that. If that's your story, that's fine. But don't expect me to believe that. There, You had to know, because we knew this, Phil, there was a very small amount of of really quality starting pitchers who, again, would slot above or below Barrios. So we're talking about a really good pitcher. Barrios is a really good pitcher, right? Like, he's not a nice pitcher. He's not not back when Carl Pavano was your bulldog. So let's get someone like Pavano. We're talking about a really good pitcher, and we're talking about a very small group of good pitchers, which we knew even before the Mets and Reds mysteriously got involved. And for the twins to just say, "Well, Toronto didn't call us back, which is what they're implying and or coming out and saying that's so all right, bumgarner not traded. I get it. Granky wouldn't come here. I get it. There were guy Robbie Ray was not moved. Minor was not moved, okay, get that, but the Stroman thing, if that doesn't rub you wrong, you're not processing this." Because you can't, if you consider yourself to be as competitive as the Twins look to be and should be, you can't just say it's rotisserie baseball. They didn't. Jerry didn't call me
2: back.
0: Yeah, and do we all agree? So, just to take your point here, do do we all agree that Marcus Stroman would have been a difference-making pitcher in a postseason series that he would have been? A in your postseason rotation and B would have given you a fighter's chance against a team like the Yankees or the Astros. I say yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. I wouldn't yes. I'm talking about guys who were going to be that guy.
0: Yep. And it is weird. It's well it's, it's weird that if like if you're just looking at Toronto's side of it, it's weird that Toronto probably had better offers on the table and decided to just pull the trigger two days before the trade deadline, leaving other teams to say, Well, wait a second, this is a negotiation process. So on one hand, yeah, Toronto. If you're looking for the best return for Marcus Stroman, you're idiots. What are you doing? Yes. But if you're a team like the Twins and you really had interest in Marcus Stroman, I don't see how that happens. I guess I don't see how you guys are talking and having a serious discussion and then they just like go rogue on it and go get a much lesser offer, unless there was unless there wasn't good communication to begin with. But and that's my problem. And and I would say this because I think the the other. Uh The other question that I've seen a lot in the last 24 hours from people emailing in and calling in and, and tweeting in: Well, what opportunity did they did they really miss? Actually, Roy Smalley and I were tweeting back and forth on this last night, and 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 I trust Roy's judgment on this. I know you know Roy has some inside information, I'm sure. And he said, did they really miss an opportunity? If none of these guys were traded, that, that were, other than Stroman and Zach Greinke, if none of these big time starting pitchers were traded. Then, what opportunity did they really miss? Maybe, maybe the asking prices were just so astronomical and absurd, and that's one way to look at it. But the other way to look at it is: Craig Kimbrel, Dallas Keuchel, Madison Bumgarner, Noah Syndergaard, Zach Greinke, Marcus Stroman, and to a, in terms of impact players, to a lesser degree, Robbie Ray and My- I- Minor were all available, very publicly available at some point in the last six weeks. And Craig Kimbrell, Dallas Keuchel, Zach Greinke, and Marcus Stroman wound up on teams. And these other guys were floating out there. Madison Bumgarner, before the Giants got hot, was out there. And so I get that if you decided you didn't want to pay the price five or six weeks ago for Madison Bumgarner, and you have logical reasons for not wanting to pay that price, I'll listen to those. But the Astros said, you know what? We're going to pay the price. We're going to pay three of our top five prospects To send a message to the league and to make our rotation clear cut the best rotation in the major leagues. The Astros made a choice. Mm -hmm. The Twins made a choice. And I I guess this was the first chance the Twins had to make one or the other choices in like nine or 10 years. This was just because they didn't really, they weren't at the point in the offseason where it made sense to give up top prospects for a Noah Syndergaard. Nobody thought they were going to be this good. When we all figured out they were going to be this good, it was April and May and your next opportunity is July 31st. And so I guess what I would say going forward is, whether you missed an opportunity or not, we're never going to know the full nature of trade talks. They have to be open to trading top five prospects for win-now pitchers, or they aren't actually serious about winning a World Series. So that's what I would say about this deadline. And I think the question for them also becomes this.
1: What's your path exactly? Like the Cubs and Braves made financial choices, and guess what they gave up? Absolutely nothing. They gave up nothing. So Kimbrell, if he's not perfect, but he's good, guess what? That's fine. It's financial. And by the way, it's three years. All right? Don't give me three years is too much. You can swallow three years. I'm not doing six years either. But if it's three years, okay. So so the Cubs and Braves at that time made financial choices that the Twins weren't willing to do. They weren't willing to go that far. And my defense of them was, well, I think that these guys will go that far when, when it comes to if this keeps up, which the success did, to giving up prospects. But they wouldn't do that. And that's what I'm saying is, here's where I'll come back and dump on them. If you're if I talk you up and you too, Phil, about these guys being as savvy as we think, then the Stroman thing can't go sideways. That's got to, that's a win that's got to be your win. The Stroman thing has to be your win. We have to be talking today about I cannot believe that the twins got this guy for this package. That's got to be your win. If you're going to be as smart as we think, if we're going to to sit in this studio for as long as we do and say, we think these guys got a plan and they're smart, then you can't just say, well, the Strowman thing, it didn't go our way, and we're really surprised at Toronto, so let's talk about No, no, I think you have to win that one. And you had to know, you had to go into this completely prepared for the fact that this deadline was going to be really weird, because it's the one and only there's no waiver period now. So we all knew that this was going to be different. We didn't know how. But again, if you're really that smart, you've got to sort of project yeah. that. So, so that I keep coming back to Strowman because that's where your win. If you're not going to do Kimbrell or Keichel, where you've got to win is you've got to make the best trade and you've got to get the guy who does get moved.
0: Yeah. So today, Michael Pineda, Mike, I think Michael Pineda, just based on how he's been really good the last couple months. He'd probably be your number two starting pitcher in a playoff series right now. He would be. Is that fair to say? That's a thousand percent correct. Jaco de had the better season so far, but if you had to make the choice right now based on what you know, it would be Jose Barrios, Michael Pineda, and then probably Jaco de or Kyle Gibson as your number three starting pitcher. Mm -hmm. And when you get into the playoffs and you're grinding out lineups like the Astros and the Yankees, every inning matters. And, and I'm sure the Astros are thinking about this too if you can shorten the bridge, if you don't have to use bad pitchers, right? I mean, captain obvious, if you can just, if I don't if, have to use my crappiest pitchers, yeah, if you can shorten your bench, basically, yeah, if you can go into a postseason series and you know that you're only going to have to use these three starting pitchers, maybe a fourth and like these three or four relievers, that's the best blueprint. And then you're just, you don't have to worry about exposing uh, your fifth best reliever to one of the best lineups in baseball. Well, Michael Pineda is a five or six inning starting pitcher. In fact, this was only the second or third, might be the third time. uh No, he went six innings today. I take this, he went six innings. Today. So only twice this season, Michael Pineda has gone seven innings as a starting pitcher. He's a five or a six inning guy. And he's been pretty good in five or six innings. The Astros, with guys like Zach Greinke, you bring in Justin Verlander a couple years ago. Marcus Stroman goes seven innings on a regular basis. Marcus Stroman has, about half of his starts are seven or eight innings. The season for the Blue Jays, a little bit little bit less than half of his starts. He's a guy that you can trust a third time through the order more regularly than other starting pitchers. Zach Greinke, I mean, that guy will throw seven, seven and two-thirds, seven, seven and a third, seven, seven, there's a six, six. I mean, his last outing against the Yankees was five, but getting that extra inning out of a starting pitcher and then shortening the bridge so you can just go bam, bam, your next two relievers and maybe not have to expose for three outs a bad pitcher, that matters too. So I actually, when we come back, I know this is mostly piggybacking off of what we did yesterday so far, but I woke up, believe it or not, for Glenn Perkins on baseball, which you can find part of the North Twin Show. You can listen back to that on demand. I actually woke up feeling a lot better than I did yesterday about the Twins trade deadline. So let's, let's go down. I have a little bit of an optimistic path to take right. you down and you can decide if you want to walk down that north and the Scornorth mobile app. Luther Brookdale Toyota 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard. Uh They have been a part of my family for 30-plus years. I'll tell you what, some of these brand-new Toyotas right now, I, I got into this RAV4 XLE, can't rave enough about the technological features, whether it's Apple CarPlay, which gives you access to various audio apps on your phone, including Score North. I love it because I know a lot of people say, you know, AM radio, it doesn't come in over here if you're not in a perfect place, and, and we hear you on that. The Score North mobile app, pop that thing right up on your uh, Apple CarPlay dashboard inside your Toyota and it's it's amazing. They also have their own built-in Entune system you can connect via Bluetooth. Uh the safety features, I was telling you guys earlier this week driving back from from Wisconsin over the weekend and I felt like I put it on cruise control and uh, it's it's no longer your father's cruise control. This cruise control senses how far away you are from vehicles and also the uh the lines on the right and left basically drives itself. It's kind of it's kind of eerie. Like why does the car doesn't even I could just take a nap. But then the car makes you put your hands on the steering wheel, even though it's driving itself, just for safety reasons. So get in, check out the new RAV4s, uh, check out the new Highlanders as well. 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard and Luther Brookdale, Toyota.com.
2: Join Phil Mackey, Derek Wetmore, Rami Makhlouf, Judd Zulgate, and former Minnesota twin Glenn Perkins for a special recording of the Score North Twin Show Glenn Perkins on Baseball. That'll be Tuesday, August 6th, beginning at 5 p.m. for Modest Brewing Company in Minneapolis. All attendees will receive one complimentary beer courtesy of Modest Brewing Company with prize giveaways throughout the night. The event is free, but you must register to attend. Register right now at scorenorth.com slash Glenn. Left it well, and that ball is gone. Ramirez with a home run, and for the first time this year, the Twins have been walked off.
1: Can you play the Marlins sure. version of that again, please?
0: That one is a laser, and it's a walk-off
1: winner! They piped in noise. I've got a conspiracy theory. Fire it up. They piped in noise. Fire, no, You know what? This is an old trick. I always thought that the twins back in the day on CCO at Met Stadium did this. And I'm serious, and I think they did. They It's called a mixer, right? You mix in the noise. Yes. It's CBS Masters
0: Golf the Birds. <laughs> Alright, hold on. Let's do this again. Think about this. Yes!
1: You just hit it. Yes! I thought I was going crazy. No, you're not completely crazy. We
0: started the show and and right before we turned the mics on, I said, there was, I was confused. It was a walk-off homer and there was no noise. Playing back-to-back. Okay, so this is the Twins broadcast. This is is what I heard and you heard. Just the normal mics. Yep.
2: Uh Left it well. And that ball is gone. Ramirez with for the first time this year, the Twins have been walked off. Now that, that sounds almost, like it
0: f- sounds like 500 people which, cheering in the distance. accurate. Okay, this is the Marlins broadcast. Okay. That one is a laser, and it's a walk-off
2: winner for Harold Ramirez. It just sounds it's like the long guy long on the Marlins call just up piped up, a... up the noise. It, it feels done. very much he, he obvious, right? The level
1: on the noise. Something is done there <laughs> to make it sound like there's people there. <laughs>
0: Derek Jeter, just... I got an idea for you. What's that, Captain?
1: Pipe in the noise.
0: It's a pipe in the noise. Pipe in the noise. Make it sound good. So I woke up this morning. The sun was shining. And uh, yesterday, my 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 thought yesterday was... We were in lockstep yesterday. I just felt like, what a missed opportunity. What The, the Astros go and get Zach Greinke. And the, the Twins, all these names that were left on the board. You're telling me among... Even going back to Dallas Keuchel, Craig Kimbrel, but Madison Baumgartner, Noah Syndergaard, Zach Wheeler, Zach Grinky, you know, Marcus Stroman, Robbie Ray, Mike Miner. Nothing, nothing. Nobody wanted a, nobody wanted Brent Rooker. Nobody wanted Brent Rooker for like Robbie Ray to help your postseason rotation. Yep. And I woke up this morning and I thought, all right, let's let this thing play out for one. Because. If the, twins go, if the Twins are right and they believe in Michael Pineda and they believe in Jaco Odorizzi, and Jaco Odorizzi is a former first-round pick. Pineda used to be one of the best pitchers in baseball a few years ago, and he's kind of regaining that form. And, all right, let's let this play out. They still have a much better bullpen despite Sam Dyson's meltdown today. They have a much better bullpen now than they did a week ago. They still have the best power-hitting team in baseball history, statistically anyways. Mm-hmm. And they've got Jose Barrios, who I think any of us would put – I'm not saying Jose Barrios is the best starting pitcher in the playoffs here in a couple months, but I think we'd all feel comfortable if it was Jose Barrios versus Team B's ace, right? So with it, when you've got the best power-hitting lineup in baseball and you've got one of the best starting pitchers in baseball and your bullpen is a lot better now than it was a week ago, um, those are a lot of really good things that you can still hang your hat on here if you're the Twins. So that's I woke up feeling... You know what I I definitely still think they missed an opportunity. Right. And it feels like there's a lot of really good starting pitchers that were dangled for 3 weeks for 2 months. Yes. Uh, but you're still in a you improved your team more than the Yankees did yesterday and I still think you're better than the Indians uh even though the Indians probably did more to help themselves at the deadline than a lot of other teams. I say, they, that's they can hit more now. That's my glass half full feeling when I, I feel, woke, when I woke up today. I feel like
1: you woke up the next day and you were trying to make yourself feel better because the twins, but but the thing about this the thing this entire conversation goes uh to the heart of the fact that we all believe this is a really good baseball team that needed a little bit of help, so like you're you're telling me and and look. They did, and I'm torn here a little bit, because they did improve their bullpen, and good for them. They DFA'd essentially three guys who probably went from slug one, slug two, slug three. Not that good. And they improved the bullpen, and that's good. And they can flat out, for the most part, most nights hit. But we're not talking about, man, you needed so much and you didn't get it. The missed opportunity is one thing. It's singular. So I'm not willing to let them off the hook because I feel like they looked at the opportunity and thought it's still good enough. And I say to them for world series, really when we're talking world series here, if we were talking, it'd be nice to win the AL central. And for the first time in a long time, have a playoff series as opposed to the one game wild card. Then I'd be like, okay, yeah, I get that. But this conversation, I can't, I can't rationalize enough to make myself feel better that a team that I believe has world series qualifications didn't take at some point in time and by the way it did not have to be yesterday it could have been it could have been june with the giants the giants were a dumpster fire right you go to the giants and you make them a mad bum proposal and say we want we want to get out in front of this entire thing could have probably got a trade done the other thing that bugged me that i saw in uh dan Hayes' piece in the athletic today was that he reported that the most coveted MLB player in talks. So when teams came to them and said, "We want a player right now," want a major who league play, ready, guy. a major league player. Yep. We we want. And yes, yes, the Mets asked for Buxton. I get that, but it wasn't Buxton, of course. Luis Arias, who's been a really nice find and yeah. a really nice player. But Phil, again, we're talking about a team on what we consider to be the precipice of a potential championship. He plays a position at which you have depth. Anything you did was going to take guts like that. But this is one where I've got to say I hate to do it, but I'll do it,
0: boy. It, well, okay, let's let's go down that path because we had Jason Stark on the show yesterday, and Jason, we were asking specifically about the Robbie Ray, Mike Miner grouping, and yes. that's make no mistake, those guys are good. They're not Noah Syndergaard, correct. Madison Bumgarner, you know those. That's a different tier, correct? And so, okay, what about the Robbie Rays of the world? Those guys, you're telling me that that those price tags were astronomical, and Jason said. The Diamondbacks' price for Robbie Ray was a major league, a player that can step in right away, a young major leaguer, and a couple other prospects, like a couple top twenty prospects or something. For a guy who would be for the Twins probably their number two starting pitcher, mm-hmm. Robbie Ray, mm-hmm. and I believe you'd get him through next year. I think I think that's right. Like there's team control there. I think that's at least right. Yes. Would you have traded Luis Arise? I kind of rolled my eye there. Luis Arise, we need Rami for a, <laughs> for got your a t- number the tip two. Of his
1: tongue. It's very. I'm very jealous of that.
0: Know. Would you have would you have traded Luis Ariz and another prospect or two that weren't premium prospects for a, for your number 2 starting pitcher? That
1: might have been tough, but I would have been calling Toronto constantly with him as part of a package for Strowman. As I told you, I'm not going to give up on on this. The Stroman the Stroman explanation makes no sense to me. So, the Ray trade? I would have considered that one. It would have been very tough, sure. But I would have been on the horn with Toronto constantly. Yeah. The thing about offering and Luis Arise would have been right at the center of my offer. Major league ready. Looks like he can play smart kid. Great approach. You're going to love him in Toronto.
0: He's, I do worry that we've, we've fallen in love with a red hot start for Luis Arise and that there might be a little more Lou Ford than Tony Gwynn here. Like he's performing like Tony Gwynn. And he was ironing his shirt with it on his body. <laughs> yeah, and go. Lou Ford also used to meet. What was that game? Uh, oh, you're talking about this? Yeah. Is it like Magic the Gathering? Jonathan. Is it a card game? Jonathan,
2: you look like a Magic the Gathering wow. guy. No, I'm not, but I know what you're talking about. <laughs> okay, that's accurate though. L- Lou
0: yes. Ford okay. would have friends that he'd meet playing Magic the Gathering. I think it was yeah. Magic the Gathering. Are, are there like online forums and stuff?
2: Yeah, you can ten play years online, ago, I think.
0: And uh, yeah. Paul, you look like a you look like a Magic the Gathering guy, don't you? But he would, he just shook his he would head meet like crazy. He'd meet random people through games like that in the towns in which the twins were playing. <laughs> so hey, where'd Lou Four go? Oh, he's at a coffee shop with his like his little like Magic the Gathering friend. He's still playing, right? In yeah. independently? Yes. Like a like a player <laughs> slash hitting coach or something? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if, I know I saw some footage of him but anyway, would, with a beard at some wouldn't point. you I would have
1: certainly entertained trades that involved Arise without a big problem with it.
0: I think with Arise, you have to ask yourself, this this guy, I know he's only 22, 23 years old. So he's been playing professional baseball since he was 17 years old. Mm-hmm. And save this tape, if I'm if I'm wrong on this, in two years. But in, in uh, let's see, 1, 2, 2014, 15, 16, 17, 18. So in like six years playing professional baseball, he has eight home runs. So he hits about a home run per year in professional baseball. So he has next to zero power. He's got Ben Revere power. He's strictly a slap, singles, and doubles hitter, right? All right, what about other other attributes? Stolen bases. I, 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 can you hit for power? Are you fast, right? Byron Buxton does a little of both and plays center field, and he's got 30 doubles on the season. Arise has eight home runs in his life as a professional. Stolen bases? He's he's stolen 29 bases in 6 years. He's been caught 22 times. So he's basically a 50-50 like, base dealer in the minor leagues. He's he's stolen 22 bases or 29 bases. Okay. He's been caught 22 times. Wow. So he's not a guy that you greenlight on the base path. And you watch him run, he's just got kind of average foot speed. Right. He doesn't have power. Yep. He's not a guy that's going to steal bases really ever. Yep. So you're banking on the batting average being always high and him being a really good defensive player. And that's his you know, With Byron Buxton, if he stopped hitting for power tomorrow, you'd still put him out there every day because he'd steal a bunch of bases, he'd be the best defensive center fielder, and he'd hit <laughs> 50 doubles. They've done this
1: before, by the way.
0: I know. <laughs> you don't need to imagine it. So I guess what I'm saying with our eyes, whether it's us going back in retrospect yesterday or us looking ahead to the offseason, yes. that's the type of guy that you're going to look back in 5 or 10 years and say, man, he turned into the MVP of the league. Kirloff might be an MVP. Royce Lewis might be an MVP. So again, we don't know... We don't know what if, if a team's if we don't know if the Blue Jays said we want Luis and the Twins said no. My guess is the Twins are open to trading a guy like that, but that's the type of guy that you can probably sell high on when he's hitting three fifty. Yes, whether it's yesterday or in the off season, and you can bank pretty aggressively on him not coming back to haunt you too badly. He'll be a good player. I'm not saying he's right. not going to be a amazing player. He's
1: not the type of guy that you protect at all costs. Yeah, he's not like Javier Baez. You, you okay? don't hang up phones based on. I want a rise and two prospects. Yes, you don't hang up the phone.
0: Yep. So that was so. So Dan Hayes was basically saying that this was the most coveted major league, league, league play over Miguel Sano. So
1: if they asked, okay, there might be concern there too. Miguel Miguel might have upside still, and at times when when he gets hot, he looks great. But if I'm a big league executive, that that's what why I said the time was right to trade him now. There's a fight and chance by spring training when he shows up, I hope he doesn't, at 325, or or pitchers adjust again to him. But this was one that, that if this guy's name, if Rye's name was consistently brought up, he is a thousand percent, yeah. has to be on the table.
0: Uh, Steve tweets into the show. You can tweet in at Score North, at yeah. Phil Mackey, at Jay Zolgat, at Rami is tweeting. You guys should do a show from Napa Valley with all the whining going on on this show right now. I don't drink wine, but my wife would love it. <laughs> Dawn would be a huge fan.
1: She loves Steve's suggestion. <laughs> I'd prefer to do it from Surly Brewing down the street.
0: When you whine about the Twins, is it red wine or white wine in your mind? It would be red, I think. Red, okay. I think it'd be red. Yeah. It's not whining. It's it's looking back at I
1: You know what? Here's the thing. Because on, on the... Column I wrote, and last night on Twitter, I'm sure you two, we got a lot of comments, right, about oh, the Twins did the best they could. Look at what didn't happen. Look at, at the Yankees didn't trade and the Boston didn't trade. If this team gets ousted in its first playoff series, you're going to have a lot of people look back at that deadline and say, I wonder if they made a mistake. And then I got a note uh, today again from a guy that said, the window, though, it's wide open. You can't assume that. How many times have we assumed
0: us? It's it's that the window is yes it the, appears to be it, an open window
1: things look good going forward but the assumption that this lineup is going to come back in 2020 and hit this well there are certain things and we've all se- seen this from watching sports or covering it there are certain years where you feel the ball starts to roll and it feels special this is one of those years I think don't yeah, you Uh I th- yes I, I two thousand nine Vikings right like everybody just I I assume two thousand ten. You bring all these guys back; it's going to be the same exact thing. And I could, and that was that was really the first time that I got punched in the face by that assumption.
0: Yeah. Well, let's go down the list of things that you for sure can't guarantee in 2020. Okay. Nelson Cruz is amazing right now. Nelson Cruz is also 39, and whether it's productivity going over a cliff or just him getting hurt or something, when you're that old and you let's say you you get an oblique injury or something, that might knock you out for two and a half months when you're 39, 40 years old. So Nelson Cruz is something you can't. Fully bank on for next year. I know Jonathan Scope's been struggling lately, but Jonathan Scope. He's gone though, right? I, I think he signed a one year contract. It is a one year contract. So he'll be gone. So even if you were to bring him back, like he's gone anyways. Yes. So well, I guess I'm saying more from the standpoint of you can't guarantee that you're going to have a second baseman who hits, he's going to hit 25 home runs, 30 home runs. Well, but Nick Gordon, no guarantee. Yep. There's no guarantees on Nick Gordon. Yep. There's no guarantees on, there's no guarantees. Um, that some of these starting pitchers, like Michael Pineda's not under contract next year, and he's your second-best starting pitcher right now. Jake Odorizzi, I believe, is also a free he's agent, up. right? Kyle yep. Gibson's a free Like Correct. Like all, and, and you could then say, well, cool, get rid of all those guys and go sign Garrett Cole. And you know what? If that's what happens, that's a huge win. If you clear out Gibson I be and honest, Odorizzi...
1: I'm not counting on that
0: one, okay? <laughs> but if they offered... So Garrett Cole has become the top strikeout starting pitcher in the entire major leagues. He's twenty nine years old and he's an unrestricted, no options, just a pure free agent this off season. Yep. They offered you Darvish a year older, this is two off seasons ago. They offered a six uh no, a five year one hundred million dollar contract to a thirty year old starting pitcher in free agency. So this front office has shown they will go out and offer nine figures to a twenty nine or thirty year old elite free agent starting pitcher. Now I gotta think Garrett Cole is going to have about six or seven teams looking to give him a hundred plus million dollars, and that thing might get up to six, seven years. So that's the, that's the type. Of, this is why trading is is the Twins' best path as opposed to a free agent signing like this. Yep, because you're you're better off spending prospect currency, and you have more of it than other teams. Yes. than in in a case like this. Now, in a case like Craig Kimbrel, where it's three years and he has no leverage because it's May. All right, but well, that's not the norm. Correct, but let's let's play
1: a, a game called Returning Players for the Twins in two thousand twenty. And what we know, all right? Catcher Mitch Garver been fantastic. I'm going to give him that one. I'm going to give him that I'm, one. I'm going to say I'm going to say he's still v- productive. I don't know that he's as good offensively again. I'm he's not having sure he's having
0: a season of his life. Yes, okay. I, I'm
1: not predicting that.
0: So he's I th- I think he's going to be really good still, but is he going to be this good? Um, the league probably catches on. Miguel Sano, third base. Hmm. I never never guaranteed. Jorge Polanco having an unbelievable year at shortstop. I will actually guarantee that. Okay. I think he's turned a corner. Interesting.
1: Yep. I think he's a good player. I'm not sure he's this good again. Second base, we don't know. First base, we don't know. Krohn's gone. And, and my guess is Krohn walks. And I'm not going to be completely shocked if, if Sano on opening day is playing first base next
0: year. Um, I think, I think, I feel like Krohn might have one more year of team control. Let me check real quick. Okay. Left field, Rosario. He's become a fairly consistent hitter from year to year. Agree completely. You kind of know what you're getting. Agree completely. Byron Buxton in center. I'm confident enough. I'm confident enough that he's kind of settled into. His strikeouts have come way down. Uh, there's not. There's nothing you look at and say, wow, he's getting super my, lucky." My concern there is
1: games lost. I can't. I can't sit here and comfortably say that he's not going to suffer an injury that keeps him out for three months. Crone, by the way, is under team control. Oh, he is. Okay. Okay.
0: My bad. Um, right field, Kepler. I'm good on him. I'm pretty yes. Now, I, was he, is he gonna? He's gonna hit 45 home runs this year. Is is Max Kepler gonna hit 45 home runs? I'm again? with
1: you though. I'm pretty good. Left field, right field, Buxton. I am, but I can't guarantee he stays healthy. But the point, the point being is, it's really dangerous to just say the window is wide open for four years.
0: Yeah, it's. I I would I will feel. I will feel differently. This is, this is why this conversation is hard for me because I think these guys are really smart and I think they know what they're doing. And my only lasting question with Derek Falvey and Thad Levine is, do you have the necessary gamble in you to make a trade like the Astros have made a few years in a row? And by the way, actually, let's, let's come back with this. There's a really interesting component about the Astros' blueprint. Now, the Astros lost 111 games like five years ago. And now they're the best, you could argue they're the best franchise in the entire league the last three years or so. And if you look at their blueprint, it's something the Twins should probably take notes on. Let's lay that out when we come back. Mackie and Jeb with Rami on the all-new Score North and the Score North mobile app. If you missed any of our Score North Twin shows, the recap of the trade deadline yesterday, Glenn Perkins on baseball today. The Scornorth Twin Show is available anywhere you find your favorite podcast. The Scornorth mobile app is a great place to start. Thanks to everyone. Wow, we had a record Scornorth app download day yesterday. So thank you for all of you who have uh, found the Scornorth mobile app. Let's talk about TCL TVs here. Yeah, we watched uh, we watched that Twins bullpen meltdown on a TCL TV today. We did. We watched Sam Dyson in all of his glory, straight off the plane, couldn't throw a strike today. The cat too. Yeah. I would say that Marlins walking the Twins off is much more depressing in 4K picture quality too on these TCL TVs. I can confirm, you're probably right. Yeah. And with the TCL Alto soundbar, you heard if you were watching the Marlins broadcast, you heard piped in crowd noise in full quality. It filled your room that fake piped in crowd noise. Yay! We need some fake piped in crowd noise for our show and we make hilarious points about things on the rare occasion. But TCL TVs are available anywhere you find TVs and major local retailers here in the Twin Cities. And you can find out more at tclusa.com. Mackie and Judd with Rami from the TCL Studios.
2: 4.45, time for the Score North download. We're moving on to week two of Vikings training camp. And that means it's the second position group for Zimmer to rip. If you remember earlier this week, he said this about the young wide receivers on his team: if they don't know what to do,
1: they don't know where to line up. If they run the wrong route or they're moving their feet when the ball snapped, you know, we'll keep looking for somebody else. They have not—they have not um, been precise enough uh, in these first couple days. These young receivers, and they need to get their rear end in gear.
2: Well, since it's week two, he celebrated that by going after the second position group. But it wasn't just a group. It was all of the groups on the defense, like the entire defense, one of the top-rated defenses in the league over the last couple of years. He said this about their practice so far through training camp. You know, we got to play better on defense than what we're playing right now. We need to play a lot better. The offense has got a lot of, a lot of uh, grit and fight, and uh, I haven't seen it much out of the defense yet. So that's where my ma- major concern is at this point. Needless to say, but Zim is not happy with his, the way his team is practicing so far, except for the offense. They did well yesterday. Yeah.
0: I mean, you got to find some stuff to be irked about in training camp. I yeah. mean, I feel like Zimmer wakes up in the morning and has a checklist of 10 things. <laughs> and say, if I, if I, when's the last time I was irked about Zim is the rug in my living room? <laughs> as happy as he could possibly. He's a pig in slop
1: right now with this. He loves this.
0: How can you not? It's, it's like 85 degrees. It. It's sunny. Football yeah. is back. Yeah. What? You're Mike Zimmer. You've been craving this for many, many months. And deep down inside, I think I think there's joy. There's, there's got to
2: be, I'd imagine. But he's happy when he's mad. He just wants to be mad all the he's time. He's happy when he's mad. It's like
1: Jimmy Butler. He's happy when he's miserable. Certain people just thrive on being miserable. I don't understand. And certain people thrive on being mad.
2: How Jimmy Butler is going to be upset all the time when he's living in Miami now. Like, How do you be upset when you live there? Take notes my man, he'll do it. He'll
0: find a way. <laughs> oh yeah, he's uh It'd
2: be impressive. That I think that
1: is the of of all the things that Rami and I have disagreed with since he started, I think that's our biggest disagreement. That what? G- that Jimmy Butler's actually a decent guy. No, he's not. Yeah, I don't think he is either. He's
0: a no. bad teammate. I think he's, he's a bad he, guy. He's a narcissist. Yes. He's no, not a decent guy. He kind of plays it off cuz he's he's gregarious yeah. and he's fun, but you look at look at all the different situations that he has left and it's and he kind of shrugs his shoulders like I don't know, it's not yeah. my problem. These young kids, this is like he's well, the common denominator. I don't got it. Yeah,
2: it was a bad situation in Chicago. It was a bad situation in Minnesota. It was a bad situation in Philadelphia. Not yeah. my problem. He I h- wasn't the common denominator. He hated
1: Hoiberg, Fred Hoiberg. Like the mo- <laughs> Like I, I realize he might not have been a great NBA coach, and you could be ticked at Fred. But he acted like Fred was this Terry. You know, Fred Hoiber.
0: He also hated. He also hated Carl Anthony Towns. Who, if if you're Jimmy Butler, yeah. I, I love how we're on this right now. That's true. If you're, <laughs> you're right. If no. you're Jimmy Butler and you're and you're taking a real objective and smart look at the NBA landscape in your career, now g- forcing your way to Philadelphia was actually sort of a parallel smart move, in that you're. My point is you want to be surrounded with guys who are younger, more spry, that can kind of cover for you if you have to miss 20 games. Sure. Carl Anthony Towns and Jimmy Butler would have been if it would have worked on paper would have been a perfect partnership for like 3 or 4 years. Yep. If they would have been able to mesh together. Yep. Especially and, uh, now
2: that we've moved into an NBA where instead of it's the big 4 or the big 3, it's now just the big 2 yeah. with every team having those two together.
0: And now he's going to be living in Miami is going to be great. He's going to make a bunch of money, but He's he wants to be the man on a winning he'll, team. He'll be
2: oh, he'll be the man. I don't know about winning.
1: By yes. de- by December, there will be some controversy. He'll be embro- He'll have found something to latch onto as a controversy.
0: Yeah. All right. I got a, I got another twin thing, uh, for you guys. We're going to talk more about Mike Zimmer and what's been going on in Vikings training camp so far. We've been very twins heavy on this show in the last couple of weeks, but um, we'll we'll get into Mike Zimmer being mad at the various position groups. I guess later in the show. So you notice something about the Astros blueprint? Their top three starting pitchers, all of whom, are, for sure, two of them have Hall of Fame uh, cases to be made. Verlander's a Hall of Famer. Grinky might have a case. I don't know, I have to go look deeper at the numbers. And Garrett Cole, based on his strikeout numbers, and if he puts in another five or six years, you got might be that got amazing pitchers here. They traded for all of them. They traded for Verlander, yep. Garrett Cole, yep. and Zach Grinky. And I went back earlier today just to find out, what did they have to give up? to get those pitchers. Okay? And this I'm not trying to drag out like this drubbing of the Twins from yesterday. I I guess my my point here is if you want to play ball on that level and you want to and you want to be a true World Series contender and you want to have a pitching staff that can go toe to toe with any lineup in baseball and give you seven innings on a regular basis, you pro- you either have to develop three amazing guys internally and they've got one, Jose Brios is definitely one of them, or you gotta give up big time prospects or big, big signings in free agency to get guys like this. Verlander cost the number three, nine, and 11 prospects at the time in the Astros organization. Garrett Cole cost them the number five and 15 prospects and two decent major league pitchers. They sent over to the Pirates. Uh, is it Joe Musgrave or Joe, Mus- uh, Joe Musgrave, Musgrave? Yeah. And he was like their number four starter. It would be like giving up a, your number five prospect. A number fifteen prospect, Kyle Gibson, but younger, and uh, a reliever who was decent. Okay. And Zach Greinke, they gave up their number three, four, five, and then another top twenty prospect, like their nineteenth prospect. So to get those three starting pitchers over the course of a two-year stretch, they gave up five top five prospects, one top ten prospect, and two top fifteen prospects. Mm-hmm. So a total of three five. Eight top fifteen prospects and two major leaguers. They had to push over to other teams to get Verlander, Cole, and Zach Grinky. That's Pre- the price.
1: throwing Presley too to the Twins. What would they give up for Presley? A couple prospects, decent ones. Yeah. the Twins like them a lot. But yeah, but that's that's because these guys, these prospects, in my opinion, should be seen as currency, and. and I told Derek this on the twin show that we did yesterday. I don't mean to be crass here, but they're pieces of meat, Phil. Like, if you go, if you come into my clubhouse and you drag out Rosario, I'm mad at you. Like, you might have got me a really good player, but I'm PO'd because that's my buddy and we hang out together and he is sort of a heartbeat guy, right? Right? But prospects are pieces of meat. Nelson Cruz, you think Nelson Cruz is thinking to himself, you know what? I'm going to hang around here so I can play with Alex Kirilov someday. He might not even know who Alex Kirilov is. So, but this is but this is the conversation and this is where it gets intriguing. This is the conversation about where about the new younger executive baseball person and how far how far they are willing to go to improve their club's immediately versus saying, I can't believe that we made that trade because um, I talked to somebody from the Pirates and I talked to somebody from the Rays, and they say I was crazy, right? But you think about it. Theo, if he didn't start this trend, was certainly on the cutting edge of the younger baseball executive who at the time that he was hired by the Red Sox were all like, you can't do that, a young kid like that. And what's Theo not afraid to do? He's not afraid to take huge chances. And there's a lot of very smart baseball people who have gotten jobs now at young ages, and I think what separates them in certain circumstances is are they willing Are they willing to cultivate prospects, build a farm system, and then dip right into that thing and make the type of trades that you're talking yeah,
0: about? Yeah, there's probably also a human element of if you identified someone in a draft or as an international free agent, or you traded for a, a young player. There's probably a little ego in there too. We've talked about this with Rick Spielman in the past, but can you, can you detach your ego from Christian Ponder or from Tavares Jackson, Brad Childress? Can you detach your ego from Tavares Jackson and just look objectively and compare it to the rest of the quarterbacks in the NFL? And, you know, if you looked at, when, when you look at the Twins top 10 prospect list right now, it's one of the best top 10 prospect lists in all of baseball. It's, it's a, it's probably a top six or seven farm system right now, especially now that the Astros have traded a bunch of their guys away. The Astros were top five for a long time, but they've just they've traded them all for established starting pitchers, right? to try and win a second world series. But right now what happens is when you look at prospects, you whether you're a fan or or internally probably human element, if you're a general manager, you think about their best case scenario, right? You're thinking about Royce Lewis, and I've been guilty of saying this a million times on this show, you're thinking about Royce Lewis. Man, he's a number one overall pick. He's a shortstop He's like six foot two. He's thick. He's got that size. He can hit for some power. He's got some speed. Man, he could be Derek Jeter or like insert best case scenario. Mm-hmm. And you're like Alex Kirilov. Man, like what Max Kepler's doing this year. That's going to be Alex Kirilov at some point. And Dar Gratterall could be Jose Barrios. And you're you're going through one through ten. Brent Rooker could be Ryan Braun. Look at that guy. Big righty college hitter. Right. But the reality is, when we look at that top 10 list of prospects in 10 years from now, just like when we go back and look at the 2004 and 7 and 8 lists, three or four of those guys are going to be complete busts who never make any money in the major leagues. There's probably going to be one, two, or three perennial all-stars on that list. Like Royce Lewis will probably be one. Maybe Trevor Larnick becomes one. But then there's going to be five guys on that list that are just really solid major league players that you would look back in retrospect and say, man. Can't believe we didn't pull the trigger on that, right? Aaron, Aaron Hicks. Aaron Hicks is a perfect example. Aaron Hicks is a really good major leaguer. He's it took turned him himself, like six he's, years he's to turn turn himself, himself into one. Yeah. Yes, but never in a. In, and even if if you know how good he is right now for the Yankees, you can find that around base. But you can find guys who hit twenty five home runs in yeah. the league today, right? So of that list of ten, you got to assume. That maybe three or four are gonna really come back to bite you. And by the way, if you trade from that pool of three or four and you win a world series, you don't even care. That's the yes. But of the guys you are you're like Bruce Dark Gratterall, if he becomes a really good solid number two or number three starting pitcher in five years from now, and you had a chance to get a solid number one during your window to win a World Series, you yep. should do that. And you should look to do that. This upcoming winter, I've never been more bullish on this. And pitching, pro- I've been pumped the brakes guy for years. But
1: pitching prospects, especially pitching prospects. How many pitching prospects have we talked about during the course of the years that we've done shows together? Who end up on operating tables? That too, and then they're out for a year. Yep, or they're out for a year and a half longer. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think I think the one of the trends. If I was in baseball, is you develop prospects to spin them as quickly as possible when you think you have a chance. That's the thing, too, is, and and that's something that we can't know. But does Derek Falvey have the same sense? And this is, this probably just takes a keen awareness to say, we didn't plan on this, but this is it. Not this is a nice season. That's, and that's, that's a tough thing. That's a tough thing. But in my opinion, when you look at, Major League Baseball, the American League especially, Phil. When you look at what's been going on for the Twins, I don't look at this as sort of a fun little pop-up. I look at this as a legitimate season, a legitimate chance to win a championship. Big difference there. Yeah. And, and I'm sorry. The window can be open now. Let's, let's say it's open for five years. Best case. It's just open. Not every one of those years are we going to sit in the studio and talk about this feels like a World Series season. We're not. It's not possible. If you do, you've blindly bought into something that doesn't exist.
0: Now, I am looking at, in terms of a window here, I am looking at Twins 2020 salary commitments. There is some good news here. If they wanted this, now this would be. You're, you're, you're going to, do, don't do this to yourself. Like, I'm thinking, Garrett, okay, Garrett Cole. You need a guy like Garrett Cole. And all I, right? I don't go down this path because they're not going to do it. Jason Castro comes off the books. So that's $8 million. I know. They're, they owe about $12 to people next year. I it's, think Nelson Cruz will be on the books. which he is f- be on the books. Which is fine. Odorizzi, nine and a half, comes off the books. And I don't think he comes back. to you? Uh, maybe. But he'll get a contract somebody. He'll with get a somebody. contract, and I'm not sure I want to pay him, to be honest with you. Gibson will be gone. That's okay. Gibson makes 8.1. He'll be gone. Okay. Jonathan Scope makes 7.5. He'll be gone. Um, What's
1: Krohn's option, then? Or what does what Krohn come back Arbit-
0: Arbitration. He makes four and a half right now. Oh, he's going to go up. It'll yep. go up to like probably eight or nine million for next year. I wonder if they'll bring him back? Probably will at that cost. But
1: I'm just saying, like, they've... yeah. But you're going down a path now that I don't think they're going to go down, and that's spending. I I think you are exactly right when you say that the best path for this team
0: and realistic path is to make trades. When we come back, cram session with <laughs> our corrupt judge Jonathan Harrison, Mackie and Jeb with Rami on the all new Score North and the Score North.